0: are children to children's church. So if you have little kids who are pre-K up through third grade, you can go with Miss Sierra to children's church. (coughs) And the rest of you, if you could open your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. We're going to do the reading today kind of in two parts. First, we're going to read Mark 15, starting in verse 42. And then we'll read to the end of the resurrection story. That's kind of the the what happened. And then we'll flip over to Romans chapter 6, 1 through 5 to talk about why it happened. So what happened when Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. And then Paul's interpretation of why it happened. Now I will say one thing before I I read. I was talking to my friend uh, Terry this morning and he was... Uh, Very, very surprised to see me wearing a suit this morning. If you're new, I normally do not wear suits on Sunday morning. So I told him the first time, the reason you're seeing me the first time wearing a suit is because, number one, I did not marry you. And number two, I did not bury you yet. So those are the two main times where you're going to see me wearing a suit other than Easter. So consider yourself... Privileged that you are not dead. We are in Mark chapter 15. We're going to start reading at verse 42. This is the amazing, life-changing story of Easter. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph... Bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock, and he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. Now when the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us to the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone stone, had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And we will read Paul's interpretation of this starting in verse 1. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Let's go to God in prayer. O Lord, our God, we ask that you would speak, for we, your servants, are listening. We pray, Lord, that you would give us life through your word, that we would die with Jesus and rise with Jesus to wholeness, to everlasting life. Hear our prayer, for we make it in Jesus' name, the name of our risen Savior, our living King. Amen. This year, my wife, Kate, along with the pastoral staff, uh, Sean and David and Sierra, have been reading a book together, a book called The J-Curve by Paul Miller. Now, in that book, Paul Miller makes a very interesting argument. He says that, in a sense, the gospel is Jesus. The gospel isn't a mere preposition or proposition, uh, a theological truth about something that happened to Jesus. The gospel is Jesus. A person who lived, a person who died, a person who was buried, a person who rose again from the dead. And so the good news that we celebrate this Easter Sunday is the good news that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, that he was crucified, dead, and buried, and that he was raised up on the third day, and that he ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Sometimes, as Christians, we focus so much on the death of Jesus that Jesus died on the cross in our place, that Jesus died on the cross as our substitute, that Jesus died as the innocent Son of God, in the place of guilty sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, that we miss the ongoing significance of the resurrection. For many of us, if we're honest, the resurrection is little more than a postscript to the story of the cross. A mere afterthought. Jesus died on the cross for you. You are saved because Jesus died on the cross for you. It is finished. Love God. P.S. Jesus rose from the dead. Isn't that cool? We talk about the incarnation of Jesus. The Christmas story, four times a year around the Christmas season. We talk about the resurrection of Jesus one Sunday a year on Easter Sunday. We talk about the ascension almost never. And by we, I mean me. I talk about the ascension almost never. I think I've preached one sermon on the ascension in the last ten years of being a pastor at this church. And I preach the cross every single week. Now, back to Paul Miller. Miller makes the case that the Easter story isn't something that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away to a person named Jesus. It's something that happens over and over again in the life of God's people. Jesus descended to this earth, He descended even lower into the grave, and then he ascended ascended from the grave and ascended to heaven where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And so do we. Our lives are shaped by the Easter story. We descend in love and service. We ascend as we learn and grow that's why the book is called the j curve because it looks like the letter j we descend with jesus we rise with jesus over and over again in other words when we are united to jesus by faith we are no longer in adam we are no longer in sin we are no longer in parenting we are no longer in performance or in popularity or even in preaching those things do not define us anymore we are in Christ his life becomes our life and his death becomes our death and his resurrection becomes Our resurrection. Listen to the Apostle Paul. It's right there in Romans 6 verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Paul is saying that if we are united to Jesus by faith, something physical happens to us. We will all physically die just like Jesus physically died. We will all physically rise again just like Jesus physically rose again from the dead. But it's more than that. We also also die spiritually and rise spiritually over and over again every single day the whole Christian life. Is a series of deaths and resurrections. The Easter story is your story, not just once a year on Easter Sunday, but every day if you believe. So here's what we're gonna do we're gonna think about the ongoing implications of the resurrection. If you're taking notes today, and you should since it's Easter Sunday, and I'm told that God gives extra credit for taking notes on Easter Sunday. Not really. Here's the outline. First, we'll see that we enter the Easter story through faith. We enter the Easter story through faith. Second, we'll see two ways that we experience the Easter story we experience the Easter story through love. And we experience the Easter story through suffering. Easter happened 2,000 years ago. Easter happens every single day for God's people. Easter will happen when Jesus comes again. We know that because we are in Christ. And if we are united with him in a death like his we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So what does that look like? What does Easter Sunday look like on a manic Monday or a terrible Tuesday or a weird Wednesday? And if the Easter story happens every day, does that mean we have to eat those Cadbury eggs all year round? I hope not. Because they are gross. (laughs) Thus says the Lord. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to use that pulpit for that truth this morning. You have questions. I have questions. God has answers. Let's take a closer look. Here's the first big idea. Very important. We enter the Easter story through faith. One of the key words in Romans 6-5 is a little word, the word united. Very important word. Romans 6-5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, for the purpose of this sermon, we are going to assume that everything that we read in Mark 15 and 16 absolutely happened that jesus was a real person that jesus was born on uh, christmas that he was born of a virgin that he lived a sinless life that he died that he was buried that he rose again and ascended to the right hand of god the father almighty now granted those are some pretty big assumptions and so i would just like to encourage you if you have questions about what actually happened on easter sunday and you'd like to read a little bit more about it We've got some books this morning, a guy named Lee Strobel, who was an old journalist who did not believe in Easter, did not believe in the resurrection at all, thought he needed to understand it before he completely dismissed it, did an investigation of it, wrote a book about it called The Case for Easter. We have them at the visitor's table. Take one, read it. I think a lot of these these questions that you might be having will be answered. We're not going to answer them right now in this sermon but those resources are available to you okay so back to the story we assume that everything the bible says about jesus of nazareth did in fact happen he was he died he was buried rose again ascended to heaven how are we united to that how do we participate in the easter story Well, the short answer is faith. If we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us, if we believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, if we believe that Jesus rose again from the dead in order to set us free from the power of sin in our life, making us no longer slaves to sin, to doubt, to fear, but sons and daughters of the living God. If we believe that, then we enter into the Easter story. The longer answer is the word covenant. Covenant. When we believe in Jesus, we enter into a covenant relationship with him. We become part of the covenant family of God. It's like in marriage, before we were married, you will be glad to know, Kate and I were not related to each other, okay? We have the blood tests to prove that we are not related to one another, but the moment we took wedding vows, the moment we entered into a covenant with one another, the covenant of marriage, we became related to one another. And so, when Kate talks about my parents, she says, mom and dad. And when I talk about Kate's parents, I say, mom and dad. When Kate says, hey, we're going over to mom and dad's house for dinner on Thursday, I do not assume that we're getting on an airplane to fly to California because we have a covenant relationship with one another. Her family is my family. The other day, I was talking to a friend of mine from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Some of you know that Kate and I used to live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We were there for about five years. And I said to him, he said he was going out to see some of the battle sites, and I said, hey, one of our relatives is buried in the National Cemetery. One of our relatives fought in the Civil War. Now, is that true? The answer is yes and no. None of my blood relatives were here, and none of them fought in any battles of the Civil War. They were not yet in the United States. And yet, it is true because the covenant is true. It is true because Kate and I are in covenant relationship with each other. Now, back to Paul. Here's what Paul is saying. When we believe that Jesus died on the cross in our place, when we believe that Jesus rose again as the first of many, many resurrected people, we will all rise again, that belief brings us into a covenant relationship with Jesus. Through our covenant, marriage-like relationship with Jesus, his life becomes my life. And his death becomes my death and his resurrection becomes my resurrection. Here it is in Galatians chapter two verse 20. And once you start seeing this, you will see it all over the Bible, and the Bible will come alive. It's incredible. Galatians 2, verse 20. "I have been crucified with Christ," Paul says, who became a Christian many years after Jesus was crucified. He writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith connects my life with his life. We enter the Easter story through faith. We enter by believing, I am a sinner. I desperately need God's grace. My life is broken, and I can't fix me. Jesus can, and Jesus will. Through Jesus, I am forgiven. Through Jesus, I am loved. Through Jesus, I am restored. Jesus puts people back together again. To me, the two most beautiful verses in the whole Bible are Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, in which Paul says, By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's no room for boasting in the Christian story. There's no room for arrogance in the Christian story. There's no room for condescension In the Christian story none we are saved not by being a good person not by our achievements our actions our good works that's not how we enter into the Easter story at all that's not it it's about dying with Jesus dying to sin dying to self dying to guilt dying to shame it's about rising with Jesus Rising in faith, and rising, rising in hope, and rising in love, and rising in forgiveness, and rising in grace. We enter the Easter story by grace, through faith. The Easter story is your story if you believe. Do you believe? Second big idea, we experience the Easter story through Love. How does Jesus love us? Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He writes, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus loved us so much that he died for us. Now we... tend to associate this kind of love with sort of extreme circumstances. You know, we think of someone who is steps in front of a bullet in order to take the bullet so that their spouse or their friend might live. That happens sometimes. There's a, a, a scene in the movie Forrest Gump. Now, if you're new, I like to keep my movie references very timely, okay? There's a scene in—it's uh, probably the last movie I saw. Okay, true story— there's a scene in the movie Forrest Gump where the battle is raging and Forrest Gump goes into the battle, takes up his fellow, fellow soldiers, puts them on his shoulder, and runs them out one by one by one. That's love. Love is willing to die for the beloved. Now, I'm sure there's other examples in Marvel movies, and so if you want to ask Pastor Sean to explain those to you after the service, he can. Or if you'd like to know how that story's played out in the British gardening detective show, Rosemary and Time, then you can ask my mom and dad, because they love that show. But it's all over the scriptures. Yes, love looks like flowers and chocolate candies and engagement rings, but real love. The real stuff, 100-octane love, black coffee love, looks like death. When we love, we die so that someone else might live. Now, let me give you a simple real-life example. Something that happened to me, something that does not involve uh, Forrest Gump, or the Marvel Guys, or even Rosemary and Thyme. Though Those ladies are delightful. Really, it's a good show. Here's the story. When Kate and I were newlyweds, we lived in a small one-room uh, bedroom apartment in Escondido, California. I was attending Westminster Seminary in California, and Kate was doing her student teaching in a classroom filled with beautiful, cute, cuddly, Spanish-speaking kindergartners. And so we sort of laughed because neither one of us for the first year of school understood the language. It was all foreign language for us. So we bonded over that. So we were in bed one night and the lights were out. It's very quiet. I'm half asleep. And Kate said, did you hear that? And I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe there's like a burglar. Again, I'm going to spring into action. You know, something like this. Guys think about things like this. But no, she said, no, no, there's there's something, I, I hear like a really quiet noise. I said, I don't hear anything. She said, no, 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 there, I hear a cat. Listen. And so I listened very quietly, and wouldn't you know it, I heard the sound of a very quiet, tiny meowing underneath the floor of our apartment. Now, if I'm writing the story, that's the end of the story hey, remember that time we heard a meowing underneath our apartment? That was crazy. I wonder whatever happened to that cat. But oh no. For Kate, that was not the end of the story. She said, I think that there's a cat underneath our apartment, and I need you to go and check. Now, in case you're not uh, picking up on this, maybe you're you're not married yet or whatever, that's not a request. That that is something that is going to happen uh, sooner or later, so it might as well be sooner. So, it's very important. So, I got up, I got dressed, walked outside, and sure enough, someone from our apartment complex had not so helpfully screwed a piece of plywood over the crawl space that went underneath our apartment, uh, trapping a poor little cat inside. So... I went inside. Now keep in mind, it's about 30 in the morning. I grabbed my DeWalt drill and driver, a remnant of when I used to work for a living, you know, before I became a minister. <laughs> I got down in the dirt. It, it was very dirty down there. I under, unscrewed the plywood cover, all the while terrified that a feral cat is going to jump out and maul my face. Okay, very real fear, but it was all okay. I took off the the little panel. The the cat came outside. Cutest, tiniest, cuddliest little kitten you've ever seen. It was beautiful. And in that moment, when Kate saw that kitten with her own eyes, she went from worried to relieved. In a sense, she went from death to to resurrection. I died so that she might live. I died to a comfortable night of sleep. I died to my very real fear of uh, kittens mauling my face. But in that act, small act, of sacrificial love, I gave life to the person who means everything to me. That's love. Jesus died So that we might live. We die so that others might live. That's one of the ways that we can experience the Easter story each and every day. Now, here's the third big idea last one. We experience the Easter story through suffering. Love is what happens when we engage the pain and the brokenness out there in the world, whether it's a broken person or a broken circumstance. Suffering is what happens when we endure the pain and the brokenness in here. Now just think about the suffering that Jesus endured in his lifetime. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was belittled. Jesus was dismissed. At the end of his life, Jesus was crucified. He literally died the most painful death that a person could ever die. He was rejected by his father. The father turned his face away from him. Isaiah wrote that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with suffering. That's the death. But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says about suffering in Hebrews chapter 5. He writes, Although Jesus was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of of eternal salvation. That's the resurrection. Jesus became perfect or complete through suffering. The Apostle Peter said that suffering refines us like gold, burning off our impurities and imperfections so that only the good remains, so that only Jesus remains. I think the worst part of suffering is what I like to think of as the cloud. Sometimes when I'm discouraged, sometimes when I'm depressed, sometimes when I I feel like the world is out of control and I don't know what to do because I I skipped uh, pandemic management class in seminary. That was not a thing. It's like this dark cloud almost visceral, descends over me, and in the darkness, I'm no longer able to see the light of hope. What the Easter story says to each and every one of us, all of us as strugglers, all of us who feel overwhelmed, all of us who feel discouraged, there is always hope. If we are united to him in a death like his, If we suffer like he suffered, we will be united to him in a resurrection like his. We will be perfected as he was perfected. That's not a theological abstraction. That's not a theory. That's not an idea. That is gospel truth. It happens. It happens. Resurrection happens. I don't know what your personal resurrection will look like. Excuse me. I know for all of us, I can say for certain that we will all physically die. Death happens to everyone unless Jesus comes again, which would be great, but I'm not really counting on it. I probably will die. So will you. And once we die, there will come a day when Jesus will come again, and we will rise from the grave. That is absolutely going to happen. Maybe resurrection for you looks like a new career to replace the one you've lost. Maybe resurrection for you looks like a new spouse to replace the one who died. Maybe resurrection looks like a reunion with a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. Maybe resurrection looks like reconnecting with your parents after many years apart. Maybe your death looks like praying for a lost friend for years and years and years, pleading for that person's soul. Maybe resurrection looks like waking up in heaven and saying, you're here. I can't believe you're here. I prayed year upon year upon year for you. My friends, the sorrow will turn into joy. The pain will not last forever. Death does not get the last word. We experience the Easter story every time we suffer in Christ, dying with him and rising with him in this life and in the life to come. Now, in many ways, we're only scratching the surface of what Easter means. We experience the Easter story every time we repent. We experience the Easter story every time we forgive. When we forgive someone, it's a kind of death. A death to our being right. A death to our pride. Paul says that baptism itself is a little Easter story. We enter into the death of Christ and are risen up in the waters of newness of life. The point is, Jesus died and rose again The resurrection happened, and Jesus is alive. But it's even more than that. Easter happens. The whole Christian life is shaped by the Easter story. We are always dying and always rising again. So love, even when it's hard. And forgive, even when it hurts. And hope, even when it seems like everything is broken and everything is fallen apart, the message of Easter is there is always hope. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will be united with him in a resurrection like his. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, a sure and living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, we are often bound to a this-worldly mindset. We, we tend to believe that this world is all that there is. Lord, I pray that you would shatter that ceiling, that we would see the glory of your holiness and beauty,ness and goodness and truth. We pray that the resurrection which happened would happen in us even as we await that final day when all of your people will rise again. Hear our prayer for we pray in the matchless name of Jesus, our Redeemer and our King. Amen.